0: And if you have your Bible today, go ahead and turn to Matthew 21. Today is Palm Sunday. Everybody say Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. I love Palm Sunday. I love this week. I love the week leading up to celebration of the resurrection of Christ next week. And it's not about bunnies, eggs, food, fellowships. It's not anything about that. Those are all peripheral. What this week is about is about the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And uh, let me ask a question as we begin this morning, as you're turning in your Bible or turning on your Bible, whichever, if you've got your phone, that's fine too. But how many planners do we have? How many people in here just say, you're a planner, you have to have every detail focused, you write things out, you plan it." How many non-planners do I have? Amen, my people. We've, look, we've just figured out the fun people and the non-fun people is what we've done. Is we've, we've separated the church right here, right now. And uh if, if any of you have worked closely with Lee and I, you know that Lee and I are the types that fly by the seat of our pants. That's often gotten us in trouble. We've had fun, but it has gotten us in trouble at times. And probably one of the most dangerous things that ever happened to Lee and I is we were not only traveling in ministry around the world at one time, but also traveling extensively throughout, mainly the Southeast United States, recruiting mission teams, representing the ministry that we worked under called Operation Serve, which will be going on next summer as a mission trip. So if you're interested in that, it's not too late, but it's getting too late, so you need to make a decision on that. But one of the most dangerous things that ever happened was we bought a GPS so I was able to get rid of MapQuest and Triptix and all. Anybody remember those things where you had to try to read and figure out where you were going? I mean, it's amazing. How did we ever get somewhere back in them olden days, right? And I call it da- I call it dangerous because what they would do is they had a setting on there that would say near me, right? So you could find the most random things. And me, Lee and I, not being real super good planners, we would just take a a journey off the beaten path. How many enjoy doing that sometimes? Yeah. I mean, y'all Leah's like, do we really need to see the biggest ball of yarn? I'm like, it's the biggest ball of yarn, Leah. What do you mean? Yes, we need to see it. It's a dinosaur, you know, statue down this road. Let's turn down this road and go. But my point this morning is that I have had the luxury of seeing some really incredible sights throughout my life. I've been at the pyramids of Egypt. I, one of my favorite things and what I want to use by way of illustration this morning, one of my favorite things that Leah and I have ever done was our honeymoon. Somebody, come on, somebody. Yeah. Honeymoons are good. So for our honeymoon, we had a lot of miles banked up because Leah was traveling at that time for two years previous three years before we got married as a full-time missionary So we're like, man, we can go to anywhere that we want in the world. We can choose, you know, anywhere. So let's go to Hawaii, you know. And we're non-planters, so we basically flew in there and found a place to stay, rented a Jeep, took the top off, and drove all over one of the most beautiful islands called Kauai. And I don't know if you've ever seen pictures or perhaps even gotten to go there yourself, but I witnessed some of the most majestic sights that you could ever lay your eyes on. I've witnessed uh, what they call the Grand Canyon of the Pacific, one of the most beautiful places. And one of the, one of the coolest uh, places that we saw was called uh, the, the Nepali Coast. And on the northern part of that island of Kauai, it is sheer cliffs with waterfalls that drop straight, sometimes hundreds of feet of cliffs, and lush green jungle cliffs that drop right down in the most pristine water with little secluded beaches all built in. And uh, we were able to jump in a helicopter. Leah does not like heights, and I don't particularly either, so we had to pray. Amen. <laughs> I'll never forget. We were sitting in a little parking lot waiting on the helicopter ride, and uh, it was a Sunday. We had the uh, we had the top down on our Jeep, and we're just sitting there waiting. We had a couple hours to wait, so we're just sitting in the Jeep, and uh, we heard worship music coming from around the corner, and uh, it was now come now's the come now's the time to worship was playing. I looked at her and I said, we've got time. Again, non planners Amen. I walked in and everybody was in shorts and flip-flops and Hawaiian shirts. I said, Lee, I found my calling. It is right here. But we left that church service right in time to jump on a helicopter. And we took the mo- In other words, my point is, is that how many have witnessed something beautiful? How many have witnessed something majestic and glorious? Amen. And church, what do we do? When we when I came back from my honeymoon, I guess everybody was expecting me to come back and to talk about how much I loved my wife more than I did before I left. And I did. Amen. But what I told everybody about was you have to see the Nepali coast. You have to see the Grand Canyon of the Pacific Ocean. That's what Mark Twain said. Uh, he referred to it as, it's it's literally the Grand Canyon of the Pacific. It's majestic, beautiful, a tiny Grand Canyon right there on this beautiful island. And in other words, what I became as a witness, everybody say witness. witness. What I became as a witness, I wanted to tell everybody I knew about in church we have experienced the grace, mercy, and forgiveness of Almighty God. How much more should we be witnesses of his goodness and his glory and his power to everyone that we meet? Amen? Amen. We should be his witnesses. Again, everybody say witnesses. And look, I don't know exactly... What God has planned for you and what God's purpose is for you and, and what specifically God wants to do in and with your life. Because the two greatest moments that you'll experience in life is the day you were born and the day that you find out why you were born. And I can't answer for you the plan and purpose of God for you. That's between you and God. And to get with Jesus and to say, God, what's the plan? But I do know what every redeemed person in this house this morning that has been saved by the glorious gospel and the blood of Jesus Christ, you are called to be a witness of him and him alone. And today I want to dig into the story of the triumph and entry, the story that the last week of Jesus' life, which we call Holy Week, and uh we focus on is is written a lot about in the gospels because it was an incredibly important week a lot of the details and all four of the this story of the triumphant entry is in all four of the gospels that we'll read and we'll use of course uh, Matthew this morning to to read it out of but um, it's amazing how we can experience something And and even experience and see and taste and see that the Lord is good, to experience his forgiveness, experience his goodness. But we forget to go out and tell a lost and dying world about there is a King Jesus. Amen? There's one main purpose that we all share. And if you've encountered Jesus, you are called to be a witness. Again, say witness. Matthew 21 this morning. We'll start in verse 1. This is the word of God. Say to daughter Zion, see, your king has come to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey in the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road in front of him. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Father, for these next few minutes and moments, we humbly approach you once again to the throne of grace. For each person that's under the sound of my voice, for each child that's upstairs learning of your goodness and learning the scriptures and memorizing them, to our youth in the back, Father, we ask your anointing upon our hearts and our ears that God, whatever said of the Holy Spirit, would go into the hearts of the people of God today and change our lives and encourage us. And God, today I pray that that we would have a revelation of you, first and foremost, Father, but that we would also carry that and be messengers and to be witnesses and to be a a source of love, humility, and grace to a lost and dying world around us. Father, we love and praise you in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. 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 So what was going on in the story that we just read? Many people have heard it. You've heard many sermons. You've heard... Many, uh, many times you've, you've read the scripture I'm sure through, and again, been in probably many church services. So just by way of somebody that may not know, Jesus is making his triumphant entry. He's coming from the Mount of Olives. And believe it or not, I've never been to Jerusalem, would love to go someday. And Lord willing, perhaps I will. But I've never been there, but I know you've seen this picture of this exact way that Jesus came into the little Kidron Valley and he entered into Jerusalem on that day because the picture you see with Jerusalem in the background with the dome of the rock and the the big gold dome and the walls. That is the area that he rode down into. And the interesting thing about this is people were cutting off palm branches. People were shouting Hosanna. It was actually causing quite the quite the scene with everybody coming out and beginning to come out of Jerusalem and beginning to lay their cloaks down and they're beginning to lay their palm branches down. And the disciples were obedient. They went and got the donkey. And that's kind of the scene of what's going on in the scripture that we just read. And I want to give you three ways from this story that we can be witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. I want to I want to stir you up this morning. This is the direction I felt like the Lord had for us. I prayed a lot about it. And in this story, I see some parallels to us as carriers of the good news of Jesus Christ. I think it believed that the church could just catch that and catch that. We experience restaurants and we experience theme parks and we experience. All these things that we are natural evangelists for, and I know a restaurant can't save my soul. Come on, somebody. A theme park can't save my soul. A good trip, a good vacation can't save my soul. But we encounter the living Christ, and we should be the ones that continually go out into our world and telling people that there is a Savior, there is a God that loves them, and a God who is for them. Amen? Number one today, if you're taking notes... God's message needs a carrier. God's message needs a character. This is so important to understand when we talk about being called as a witness to what God has done in your life. Because the message of Christ truly needs a carrier. The Bible clearly lays out here in the word of God we just read that before he comes into Jerusalem, he tells the disciples that, hey, go and there's a certain donkey, it's tied up. And everything is set, everything is ready, everything that had been prophesied even hundreds and thousands of years before is about to be fulfilled. So on God's cosmic calendar, this is a huge day, this is an incredible day. But here's what's interesting about that, and I'm sure many of you have noticed, but for the rest of us, I want to just point it out. Because I really, if, if God's message needs a carrier... Then what kind of a carrier is God expecting us to be as the people of God? And I think there's a key here on, on the understanding that Jesus is riding into Jerusalem and the the people that were cutting off branches and waving them and laying them out before them and they were taking their cloaks and they were laying uh, them out before them. What Jesus was saying is I am a king because this is the way a king would ride into a city or a a great general, or in other words, the, the king that was riding into a great city like this would not have been coming on a lowly donkey, they would have been coming on a majestic stallion or show horse. In other words, it would have been an announcement, I'm the king, I'm the big shot, I'm the big guy, I'm large and in charge, so I am going to be on the most beautiful horse that anybody has ever seen, because it is a status symbol that I am the man, so to speak, I am the one riding into town to kind of do my business or take over. but notice this this that's not the type of entry that Jesus made into Jerusalem. It's interesting Jesus chose and it was prophesied that he would ride in not on the finest horse created, but Jesus chose to ride in on the back of humility. Everybody say humility this morning. Listen, this is a picture of who Jesus is and how he operates. John 1 clearly tells us that the Word was God and the Word was with God and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And later on, in verse 11, it starts to begin to talk about that we beheld his glory of the only begotten of the Son, which means if, you've, if, if, you, if you dig into the Word, you're going to see Jesus. And if you want to see the Jesus, dig into the Word. Amen. In other words, when we see these pictures of Jesus, we can understand who and what God is and operates. So the picture is this. The only one who ever existed and had any right to be placed on a majestic horse and worship took the humble road. And the word that became flesh took a seat on the back of a humble animal because the message needed a character. And what oftentimes happens, church, is we we sometimes believe, well, I'm, I'm not qualified to be a character, a carrier of God's good news. I'm not qualified. You know, I've had too many mess ups. I've had you don't understand my past. You don't understand where I've come from and where I've been. I want to tell you something this morning. If if God can use a donkey to ride in Jerusalem, He can use us to carry His gospel. Come on. It's true. Sometimes we think we've got to achieve some kind of status. Just to be a witness of God's goodness in your life simply means that you have a story to tell. And God is expecting us to tell the story of what he has done. And I think that's so important to understand the humility aspect of this story. Because I don't think... Most people would say, and I've heard this before, so I say most people, I've heard it myself... Is a lot of people who kind of take the, when you start to talk about witnessing, you start to talk about sharing your faith. I think, okay, I'll, I'll say this. I have actually had this thought in the last few years. You know, this world's getting so bad that the, the people out there don't want to hear about Jesus anymore. Can I tell you that there is always going to be a small percentage that don't want to hear anything about Jesus? They never have. They never will. Because we're living in a society that is addicted to outrage. But the Holy Spirit's been needling me lately. And he's like, Jason, there's a lot of people that if we wouldn't just come in with haughty, know-it-all, I'm, I'm better than you spirits. Come on. With a megaphone of I've got it all figured out. If we could come in on the, the cult of humility, yes. if we could come in on the cult of, of lowliness, if, if we could come in on the, on the, on the cult of, we know a savior who can save. Then I believe there's a generation. There's a people that would be receptive to seeing. In other words, we want to go in and announce to somebody. If we could just learn to serve somebody, we would see fruit of the gospel. Hey, I've never saved a single person in my life, but I've served a lot of people. In in serving them, I'm investing a piece of the gospel because I want them to know that it does. It's, God's not looking at your past; He's more interested in your future. This morning, okay. and being interested in your future, if we could learn that we don't necessarily need to come with a megaphone announcing everybody's faults, sins. Come on. Yes. Now let me balance this because I thought a lot about this as I'm as I was studying. I felt very clearly that. We see Jesus come in to Jerusalem in a, in a way that wasn't, I am who, that I am somebody who has come to lord over you. I'm somebody that's come to save and serve you. You catching that? Yes. And as I began to think about that, I began to think about, Lord, you know, we're living in a culture where if the church doesn't stand up. I don't know where we're going to be in 10 years. I don't. And here's what the Holy Spirit began to speak to me yesterday morning is blessed are the peacemakers. Amen. Doesn't say blessed are the pacifists. Come on. And he, he, he began to open up when Jesus talked about the meek shall inherit the earth. Meekness does not mean being a doormat. So church when I when I began to think about humility and how we as we as witnesses if we could learn in the church to come with a humble attitude of not we have it all figured out but we know one who does have it all figured out If we come with the humble attitude of hey I'm not I'm not here I'm not here to save you but I know one who can save you If we come in with the heart of hey we're we're going to make a connection in other words everybody in this room can invest and invite Amen? And everybody in this room, when I talk about being a witness, you say, well, I don't have a theological training, you don't know my history, you don't know my background. I can tell you what you can do. You have a story that only God did in your life many times over. He saved you, he healed you, he delivered you. He saved, he's gonna, if he hadn't saved your kids, can I tell you this morning, he's going to save your kids. There's all these things that he's done in our lives that we have a story to tell other people but we can come in with humility, but humility doesn't mean that we become a doormat because meekness is power under control. The word meekness literally means that we listen, God will trust you with true spiritual power when he knows he completely controls your will. Cause there's been too many people give God a bad name cause they're not operating in his true authority and power. They're operating in something else. So my point is simple. There needs to be a carrier in order to carry the gospel forward. God has not delegated that to just a handful of people. He has delegated that to his entire church. And there's not just a small percentage of people that are out there that need to hear your story and invest something in a seed of the gospel in their life. There is a huge amount of people that if we could just learn as a church to come with a spirit of humility, we would see doors open for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He didn't come on a war horse. And Jesus, as we know later in the Garden of Gethsemane, when they pull out the swords, he's like, don't you know I could call legions of angels in this moment to come? And uh, literally those legions of if if one angel of death could, could come and wipe out the firstborn of Egypt, imagine what legions of angels could do human race would have been done with in probably 30 seconds. You hearing me? He had that authority and power, but he chose a different path. He didn't come. Listen, when he's coming back, he's coming on the horse (laughs) and we're coming with him. And I want to bring as many people as I can. He came first on a lowly donkey because that is who God wanted. He is the word made flesh. God wanted to know. You want to know who your God is? Your God's not one that is going to come high. He's going to come and he's going to confront us in our our apathy. He's going to confront us in our sin. He's going to confront us and the things, here's why, because those things that you may be harboring in your life and heart are detrimental to a life-giving relationship with him, and he's a jealous God who will not let anything stand in the way of what he wants to do. Amen. Everybody say, the gospel, needs a carrier. the gospel needs a carrier. Am I looking at people that want to be a carrier of his word? Yeah, yes. I do too. I'm not calling you a donkey this morning. <laughs> But what if we considered ourselves not much more than a donkey? Amen. Amen. I got like two amens. I think that'd be a wonderful revelation for us to just humble ourselves before God and say, God, I may not be the sharpest knife in the drawer. I may not be the most eloquent person in the room. I, I may not, but I have a story of what Christ has done in my life. And how, how easily we forget how simple it is to sow something of love and humility and service into somebody else's life. Acts 1 verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And the very next scripture says, And he ascended up out of their sight. So that is the command of Jesus. He rode into Jerusalem carrying, the donkey was carrying him, and he did it in humility. We are carriers and evangelists and witnesses to many different things and experiences. I could tell you hundreds of experiences of things I've witnessed and the, 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 the majesty of things I've seen all throughout the world. But nothing compares to seeing him. Nothing compares to it. Nothing compares to that. Number two. This is important, too. We see this in the story because all he needed the donkey for was to get from this point to this point. He was fulfilling prophecy. This is how God wanted it. God wanted him to ride into Jerusalem, his son, ride into Jerusalem on this donkey. But number two is the opportunity is limited. Everybody say limited. limited. He didn't need the donkey very long. He, would be in, he wouldn't be in Jerusalem very long. And how many know the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized during the lifetime of that opportunity? My point is simple. The scriptures are very clear. that says that it's daytime, and Jesus warned that work while it's day because night is quickly coming. Of course, he was prophesying later of his death and resurrection. But we know that applies to the days we're living in. And we are like vapor here today, gone tomorrow. That's what the Bible says. So the 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 opportunity of a lifetime, the opportunity for you to witness to somebody on a daily basis usually comes and goes. And we're so busy and we're so focused on our own needs and we're so focused on everything we have to do that day or getting from point A to point B. Can I just encourage you to slow down a little bit and begin to look for the opportunities to sow something into somebody else's life? Because there's a limit to the opportunities that we have all around us at any given day, week, month, or year. Leah and I, and I don't know why we do this, but we declutter our house. We have like 12 spring cleanings, <laughs> at least. Do I have any any wives, ladies, that you, you spring clean your house like 15 times a year? Okay. And it seems like my closet gets less and less every time. I just, I don't know why. But one funny thing that we were laughing about here recently is in the course of cleaning out drawers, we clean out. Anybody have a junk drawer? How quickly the junk drawer becomes the junk drawer again. Amen. It's like, wow, I thought we just cleaned this out. But we clean and we go through drawers and invariably we will find some sort of a gift card that we forgot we had. Does this ever happen to anybody else? Yeah. And we get so excited. We're like, oh, let's go eat to find out we've already used it. <laughs> we, we called recently, and oh, I wonder what the balance on this is, and we put it in the number and we click the button. You have one cent. I'm like, why did we keep this? But the worst that happens, and this has happened to us, it may have happened to you, the worst one that happens is when it's full. There, it, 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 there's money on the gift card to a restaurant or somewhere else, there's money on it, but it's expired. Man, that's the worst. And you want to call them up and be like, "You have the money. Why can't I go use this?" But church in a very real, genuine, heartfelt way to tell you that there is an ex- expiration date on our opportunities to be able to so. And again, there's a there's a subsect of our society that lives on anger and lives and feeds off their addicted to controversy and anger there's a much larger subsect of our society that would absolutely love and i'm not talking about you know somebody across the world i i believe that if you can't cross the street to witness to somebody you shouldn't go across the world come on that's the truth we got a mission trip coming up and i just want to encourage you if you don't witness to people around you you're probably not going to go to mexico and witness either but we have a lot of opportunities every day. And what, what what the Lord is speaking to me and how this relates into the story is he didn't need the donkey for very long. It was just a to get from point A to point B into Jerusalem. He went in and cleansed the temple, and then he left again. So I want the urgency of the hour to settle into our lives and our hearts, no matter what your age is in here this morning, to settle into our life, life and heart. That Jesus said clearly that the, the, the day will close and the night will come where nobody can work. We need to do the works of him who sent us while it's still day. And it is still day, but the church needs to rise up in this hour and realize there's an expiration date to the people that you're around. In other words, I don't want to get to a place in my life where I regret not talking to a coworker, not talking about the Lord to a family member. Listen, those people out there may be super angry, but your uncle needs Jesus too. Come on. Your kids need Jesus. Your grandkids need Jesus. There's uh, people around us all the time. As a matter of fact, I want you to, to think right now in this moment of a person that you know in your life that just needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. I can think of several that I pray for on a regular basis. But we are not only the carriers of God's good news But we are also, church, understanding that there is a window of opportunity for everybody in this room to be able to speak. Because here it is, here it is, tomorrow is promised to none of us. It's not. We're a vapor here today, gone tomorrow. And I look back through my life and I look back and I say, we, just like the, the cards, we always had really good intentions, didn't we, Leah? We had intentions to eat those meals and... I'm having a thought in this moment that you guys are like, if they don't use the the restaurant cards, I ain't buying them for. We use them. 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 <laughs> this is family from Louisiana that we didn't use those for. That's that's what that was. It's John. Yeah, I recovered from that really well. John 9, verse 4, as long as it is day, this is Jesus' words, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And church, I I never want to be the type of preacher that motivates you out of fear because I think fear is a horrible motivator. But I do want to bring you to a reality this morning. That's where I want to get everybody, is a reality that we're not always going to have an opportunity to talk to the neighbor about Jesus to talk to the person in the cubicle, because here's what I came to tell you this morning. There's a lot more to life, most important days of your life, the day you were born and the day you find out why. And I would hate to think I'm going to live as long as the Lord has me here, maybe however many more years the Lord wills. But I hate to get towards the end and just say, man, I didn't sow into other people's life. I I didn't have that spirit of humility and how often we walk by people all the time that we kind of think to ourselves, well, eh, God didn't want to save them. Listen, God died for all. Amen. And really it's just about telling a story. Listen, you can tell the story, you say, well, how do I do that? How do I, how do I be a witness? It doesn't take, I haven't taken a class pastor. I haven't, you know, been theologically trained. I haven't, it doesn't require that. All it takes is a spirit of humility, understanding that by sharing, you're not saying you're better than them. It actually means that you need it because everybody needs a savior. Everybody does, but we need to do the work of him who sent us while it's still daytime. And in the story, you'll notice he tells the disciples, go, loose the colt, And bring it, because the Lord has need of it. And it says, and immediately they obeyed. What I'm talking about this morning is understanding it's much less than just me trying to get you to invite somebody to church. But it's a lot more about obeying the command of Jesus to go and make disciples of all nations. It's our job. We're the carriers. We're the ones that, that bring the gospel to others. James tells us very clearly, don't just be a reader or be a doer of the word. How many want to be doers of the word this morning? Amen. And that's really the only two things. Two things I'm talking about by way of, of, of being a carrier of the gospel is everybody say invest Invest. and and invite. Everybody has a sphere of influence, a sphere of people that you can invest the word of God in. You can invest loving them and serving them. And you can also be somebody that invites them. It's amazing when Peter met Jesus, he goes to get his brother, Andrew, and Andrew's got all these questions. And he says, I don't know. Come and see. (laughs) That's really all you have to do. Come and see what God has done in my life. Come and see what he's done in your life. Come and see what he's done in our life. Because I'm not a prover of the word of God. I'm a witness to what God has done in my life. (laughs) There's a big difference. You can witness to the change that God has had. And the beauty of your story is like the beauty of my story is that the beauty of our story is that we all have a story to tell about Jesus. Yeah. Number three, if you're taking notes, we need to make a way for the waymaker. Yeah. Everybody say waymaker. Way maker. How many believe that Jesus is a waymaker? Yeah. Yeah. Again, simple, but Jesus simply needed to get from one place to another. So of course he enlists this donkey to be the mode of transportation. And the donkey is going to carry Jesus through these throngs of people that are shouting Hosanna and waving the palm branches and laying them down on the path and taking their cloaks off. And they're shouting Hosanna. They're shouting praises to him as a king, which, unironically enough, upset the religious leaders and upset the Roman authorities. They don't like any king but them. Amen? Amen. But Jesus was making a way for mankind He was headed to the cross. He was making a way for us because we cannot make a way for ourselves. Church, you cannot set yourself free from sin and bondage. Just like the cult in the story, we can't untie ourselves, but we have a way maker that can see you loosed, free, walking in a blessed and abundant life. Because I came to tell you my story this morning of a synopsis of it is I was not living a blessed, abundant life. I was living under the, the control and the heel of the enemy, but I met a way maker. Amen? But I came to tell you another thing this morning is there were other people that helped move the bus, so to speak, so I could see the glory of who Jesus was. I had people humbly loving me and humbly uh, reaching out to me and continuing to humbly sow the gospel into my life because the gospel needs a character, a, a, a carrier. And the gospel also needs a group of people that will become a way maker to see the way maker move in people's lives. Amen. In other words, you see in the story, that that donkey carried his part of the weight in position at the place that he was prophesied to be tied up and ready. And I'm sure, and I'm, I'm taking a little Liberty here, but I imagine that he's tied up and he's, he's here waiting on God to show up and ride into Jerusalem. And he probably sees some other donkeys off in the distance playing Right, enjoying the grass and the greenery, enjoying, and they maybe—I don't know if donkeys can talk. Right, Shrek, Shrek, Shrek they can. Come on, they're like, come on, come play. Listen, my point is simple: if we're going to be, if we're going to make a way for the waymaker, there's going to be a group of people that have to humbly carry the news, gospel, and humbly carry the presence of God. So that we cannot be obstacles, but that we would actually be conduits of showing people the goodness of God. Showing people who he is. The world's heard enough. (laughs) They need a demonstration of the power of God. They need a demonstration of people that the, the group of people that will be there no matter what, who will love on them no matter what, who will be with them in the time of their struggle. I've shared this before, but I thought of it yesterday as I was preparing I used to love a, a TV show. I know many of you have probably saw it called Extreme Home Makeover, right? It was the it, I think I'm getting the 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 name of the show right, but it was Ty Pennington. Anybody remember Ty Pennington? I wouldn't let him in my house. I'm just being honest. I mean, Ty shows up. He looks like an old hippie. Hey, yo, what's going on? Knocks on the door. The story of the family was there was always some kind of a really difficult something they were going through. They either had a child who got sick or had an accident and ended up in a wheelchair and the house wasn't conducive to that. What I loved about the story is there was always a group of people who were willing to show up and carry the weight and carry the burden of helping somebody else. Church, our world needs help. If you can open up the news and not just be breaking out in tears in the world that we live in nowadays, ask God to give you his heart. Because I promise you, God is weeping. And our world needs an extreme home makeover. (laughs) It needs a group of people that will become humble carriers, not trumpeting and shouting how much better we are than everybody else. The truth of the matter is there are people sitting in this room that are better than some other people on the other side of the room. But it's not about who's better. It's about who's forgiven by grace. Come on. We need a group of people that, that will carry humbly and, and understand the urgency of the times that we're living in, that this is not time to play patty cake. This is a time to be sowing seeds of the gospel in your story and, and investing and inviting and telling people there's a God who saves. Because one thing I always loved about that show was the end. Come on. At the end, there would be all the people gathered and they'd get the the family would be off. They'd be off like on a vacation. Yeah, they'd be off at a Disney or somewhere, and they'd all be enjoying that as a family. And the the big surprise is they would have a bus pulled up in front of the redone house, right? And they would show back up, and usually a limousine, and the whole family would pile out, and you know, ties there. Hey, family! Hey, Jones family! Can't wait to show you what we did. And you had a group of people. Listen. We make a way for the way maker, and I wonder if sometimes the church doesn't stand in the way of people getting to the true God. Are you hearing me? If this is bothering you, let it bother you. I'm serious. Because I don't want to be a bus standing in the way of eternal freedom for people. I want to be the people on the other side that are cheering them on. You know, you always had kind of the old redneck daddy's crying, just dying, don't even know what to say in this moment right here. And everybody's behind him, and I love this. Everybody's behind him. And they start saying, move that bus. Move that bus. Move that bus. And that bus would roll out of the way. And they would behold what other people. Church, Jesus paid the price for you. He said, if I go away, I go to prepare a place for you. I started off with telling you a story of something, most beautiful place in all the world that I've been able to travel to. And I'm sure there may be more beautiful places. It was Kauai, the Nepali coast, flying a helicopter and seeing waterfalls hundreds of feet up, just cascading down to pristine beaches where nobody was on. You couldn't get to them except for a boat. And these alcoves and these caves and this majestic, I just, we flew through there, terrified. <laughs> but when I got back, all I could tell people about was this, the creation of God. If you want a story to tell, you tell people how God saved you from sin, not based on how good you were, but how good he is. That's right. That's right. You, you, you begin to tell people that God has gone and prepared a place for his people. You, you become a witness. We witness of things all the time. If you've really been transformed by the gospel of Christ, why wouldn't you be telling people about it? We can become a bus that's blocking the glory of God that you've experienced. Instead of somebody saying, come on, let's, let's, let's get everything out of the way of the waymaker, so that other people can see his goodness and glory. I mean, church, if, if, if the book of Revelation tells us that, that literally in the new creation, that literally the trees and the hills have the ability to dance and clap their hands. Imagine what we will be able to do. The story you have to tell is that not only are we saved from sin unto heaven, but we will dwell with him for eternity. Lord, move that bus. Let us get a vision of the glory of the house that you have built. He said, I go to prepare a place for you for where I am there. You may also be. Man, think about that this morning. If you want a story to tell the rest of the week, Just tell people about the glory of heaven. Who wants to not receive that free gift of salvation from our sin so that we can be put in right relationship with God again? And I'll add a fourth one. If you'd stand this morning. Alexis, I'll add a fourth one. We're carried. We are the carriers of God's. Message of His presence, of His glory, and the story that we just read in Matthew 21. It says that He didn't come in on a war horse; He came in on a lowly colt. So we carry that message with humility, understanding we're just one beggar telling another beggar where we found bread. Amen. That's the story. We do it in under, with an understanding, and this is this is where I'm pressing in on you this morning. We need to do it while it's still daylight. We need to do this while we have the opportunity. I don't want to get years down the road and say, man, why didn't I walk across the yard to talk to my neighbor? Why, why didn't I call my uncle up just one more time and just just share with him about how I would love to spend eternity with your family members? Amen? Amen. Because the truth today is that everyone needs a Savior. Amen. That's why Jesus came. That's why he went to the cross. That's why we celebrate Holy Week. That's why we celebrate on good, this coming Good Friday. We'll have a service right here that evening. We're going to take communion. And so, and listen, I'm not going to come on Good Friday with my head dropped low. It's going to be held high because my eyes are focused on that cross and focused on the, the, the sacrifice that was paid because by focusing on that, it keeps my heart soft. Amen. Amen. It keeps my heart soft for other people that I may not like or I disagree with or may not see eye to eye on things. But everyone needs a Savior. Here's how I want to end. And I know everybody has a lot going on in their lives. And it'd be easy to leave this service and to move on into eating and fellowshipping and enjoying these kids. I love seeing kids run around and pick up eggs. I guess I'm just a softy. I do. I do. I love the family of God. I love spending time with you. But I want to give you a challenge, not for the next seven years, but for the next seven days. Very simple. I want to give you this challenge as we end today because everybody in this room can do this right here. You can find somebody and you can lovingly, humbly invest something in their life. It could be a kind word, it could be a lunch. It could be something baked and brought to your neighbor. It could be something so simple because what I'm talking about today is we all can do that. We can all invest and we can all invite. Amen. So today I want you as the army of God, as the people of God, to get it deep in your heart that I'm not just going to invest. This next seven days, I'm going to invite a couple of people to come to church with me. Because there is, listen. There is, there is a door, and I've been talking about this for weeks. There is a, there is a harvest. Don't get your eyes on what you see. Get your eyes on what you don't see. Jesus, when he came, the condition of the people and the condition of society was falling apart. They were under Roman occupation. They were taxed to where they couldn't feed their kids. They were, they were, they were crucified. They did something wrong in front of everybody. the, the literally roads all throughout. The Middle East were lined with people that would have been crucified and left up there. So that's where he came, and he says, look up, for the harvest is ripe. Now, if you look with natural eyes, you would have saw starving, hungry, displaced, under-occupation people. But he wasn't looking with eyes of the natural. He was looking with the eyes of harvest. So each and every person in this room can reach out to somebody and invite them. And there's, there's hundreds of wonderful churches around this area. You don't even necessarily, I'm not trying to say invite them here. I'm saying, tell them to go to church. Tell them to go and hear the word of God preached with a, with a heart of compassion and love. Amen. Because of my fourth point this morning, everyone needs a savior. The message needs a witness. No one is promised tomorrow. Work while it's day. And everyone needs a savior and everyone needs to be part of carrying the weight of making a way for the way maker and not be an obstacle in the way, but move that bus out of the way so that people can see the goodness and glory of God. And if God could utilize a lowly donkey to get him from point A to point B, how much more can he use one of his children to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Christ? Amen. Amen. Bow your head and close your eyes. I want to ask this question. I know we have people here who are visiting with us and we welcome you, but we want to we want to extend this extend this invitation as I've talked this morning about surrendering your life to Christ, about coming into relationship with Him. And perhaps maybe you've even just drifted away the the way life goes is we get busy and we get tied up in things, we get focused on things. And we can find ourselves just beginning to drift away just pure, simple faith in Christ. And as we do that, we have to turn around and say, God, I've I've backslidden away from you and I need to return. So there's two calls this morning. If you've never given your heart and life to Christ, today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Today is the day where you receive him and your life changes forever. I didn't say pray a prayer and go about your way. I'm talking about surrendering your life to God because the most important day you'll have in your life after you've been born is when you find out why you have been born. You have been born to be in a relationship with God. But the fall cut us off from God, and Jesus came to restore that relationship. And what we do is we confess with our mouths and we believe in our hearts that he is the Lord and that he's Savior. We repent and turn away from our sin, put our faith in the finished work of the cross, and it says they will be saved. Whomsoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I want to ask that question. If you would like to surrender your life to Christ or you would like to just say, man, I've drifted away and I need to come back today. Would you just shoot your hand up? Anybody in this room? Anybody in this room? Anybody in this room? Look back this way. We're all saved. Amen. Yeah. Which means you have a story to tell. You have a witness to give to other people. Don't leave out of here today and think that the world out there does not need to hear a good word from God because they do. There's a lot of hurt, broken, despondent people living in our world today. And need to hear that there's a church and a people of God that love them and are there for them and will do anything with them for them. Amen. Let me bless you today before we go. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this gathering here on Palm Sunday as we celebrate the triumphant intrigue of Jesus. We honor and celebrate you right now in this moment, God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God, that you have given us the tremendous honor, but also tremendous understanding of, of the weight that you have given the message of the gospel of, of, of Christ into the hands of the church, Lord. So, Father, today I bless the people of God. I pray over them that they would be blessed going in and blessed going out, that they would be blessed at work and blessed in their homes with their families, that, Lord God, you would surround them with your holy angels and put a hedge of protection up around them. Father, we pray for our fellowship today, that you would watch over each of our kids as they play. And run around and have fun. May your angels be all across this property, Father. And may we, everything said and done, bring honor and glory to your name. Father, bless this food we're getting ready to partake of. May it be nourishment to our bodies. And, Lord, we say today we'll give our bodies and our voices and our hearts to glorify you. God, we love and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.